Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for August 22nd in the year of our Lord 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America is our guide. And we're also convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you had an absolutely delightful God, family, and country style weekend. And wow, we just heard at the top of the hour, China, half of the country on power rations. That will indeed come to a theater near you, ladies and gentlemen, to your house to your business. I hope it does not, but predict it will with Biden's suicidal uh, energy reality check. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Wow. We also had Dr. Scott Bradley on with us first hour on Friday, and we talked about the Ken Cromar uh, hearing that was taking place. It was really a sentencing, if you will. If it could happen to Donald Trump, if it could happen to Ken and Barb, it could certainly happen to you. Um, let's see. Miraclesandgodwetrust.com is his website. Uh, and the sentencing was right after the show, so we couldn't give you the details during the show. Uh, but it turns out in the beginning when the judge said sentencing, the judge said, hey, you can appear on WebEx um, or you can come in. And Ken said, oh, I'd prefer to come in because Ken likes to do face-to-face. And, but then uh, because they put out a bench warrant for his arrest, he decided not to come in because he thought they'd arrest him on the spot possibly. I don't know what they would have done. Again, the problem is they have eroded trust so far, so badly that in good faith, you can't even count on these people, right? So long story short, Ken decided I'm not going to go in. I'm going to do the WebEx option. Well, then the judge said because Ken chose the WebEx option and he didn't show up in person, they would delay the sentencing. Now, why you would delay sentencing over that, I don't know. The prosecution said, wow, we were going to carry forward and recommend no jail time for you and recommend this and recommend that. And, but you know what? Since you're not here, we can't. And all they did was delay it. Now, I don't understand why they did that at all. Uh, but you know what? Dr. Scott Bradley is with me this hour. Let's get him on the broadcast. Welcome back, sir. Well, good morning to all. And uh, there's uh, always uh, an interesting twist to everything. And it seems they've left Ken and Barbie twisting in the wind, you know, kind of left them. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's uh, there's not enough stress in their life. And so they're trying to you know, kind of build the drama of the whole thing and everything like that. Did they say when they were going to hold this uh, sentencing? I'm not really sure. They just kind of said we're going to delay it because you didn't come in. And so they're setting a new date, and I guess they expect the demand he comes in next time. But I don't really understand it because in the beginning, the judge offered the WebEx option. And so I don't know if they're just trying to get back at him for changing his mind. Well, he changed his mind because they put a bench worn out for his arrest this is what i mean by they just continue to play games continue to be hostile continue to uh, erode trust where you just can't trust them i mean if ken would have showed up where they arrested him on the spot even though they're claiming no jail time uh well, they probably you know, I, would I don't have, know since there was a warrant yeah if there was a warrant right they, you know there would have been an overzealous officer if nobody else i mean maybe that was the whole plan right from the beginning perhaps 
we don't know, but but uh, there could have been somebody, ah, 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 he's outside the court, I'm going to go grab him right now, you know, kind of thing. And and then they got the whole rigmarole of jail check-in and, and uh, you know, cooling your jets there until somebody can get around to reviewing the thing. And, I mean, it, it would have been an opportunity for somebody to get their hooks into him. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but uh, if the judge... Maybe the judge is slipping gears. I don't know. Maybe the judge forgot that he offered this WebEx thing. I don't know. Well, and that's, and that's the problem is that you just can't trust them, and this is what I mean. You know, they offered WebEx. He changed his mind for logical reasons. Why would they put a – if they are going to claim no jail time, why would they, right in advance of the courts, put a, another bench warrant out for your arrest? I just don't understand it, um, Dr. Bradley, but this is the point that I'm getting at is – They've, they've created such a lack of trust between we the people and our government um, that you just don't know what you should be doing. If they were stable, if they were honest, if they were accountable, if they were clear, if they were consistent, if, I mean, I could go on and on, we would not have these problems like we have. Well, but I don't trust you know, them either. No, it's, it's, it's become extremely difficult to say that there's any credibility left with anybody that holds office. You know, I mean, and, and the, the fact of the matter is the Declaration of Independence, you know, we often go back to that. Read it like today's news today because, uh, you know, everything from sw- sent swarms of officers to eat out our substance and, and how they've subject us to jurisdictions foreign to our Constitution, how they've done pretended legislation, all that kind of stuff. But part of the things that were offenses of the king honestly, was that he had obstructed the administration of justice. And uh, justice is a really important thing. And and the idea that uh, uh, a system of justice is available so that, you know, you can trust in these kind of things and that the bad guys are going to not be able to continue to work their nefarious schemes on you. We've got these two-tier kind of uh, programs nowadays, and maybe there's more than two tiers, but you get the idea where uh, it seems as though Hillary Clinton, for example, in a plethora of security violations, doesn't even get a slap on the wrist. And uh, then Donald Trump gets his uh, home raided after he's left as president. So, uh, I mean, there's different issues like that. But the fact of the matter is the uh, American Founding Fathers, when they wrote the first Constitution, uh, the Articles of Confederation, they didn't have a really fully developed justice system, and that was a flaw in it. That was one of the many flaws uh, that many people today are requesting to go back to. It seems like they want to rewrite our Constitution, but that's another topic. But they didn't have a fully uh, robust uh, justice system, and so there was a stumbling block in the success that the new Constitution offered, that new Constitution, the Articles of Confederation. And so when they met in 1787, they created a court system and um, gave it some more substance that could be there to help administer justice. And it's not there to harass, uh, eat out the substance of the, the people. It's there to administer justice. And when they put in the uh, preamble the, the idea of a, a, uh, of a uh, welfare you know, the general welfare clause that's there and in the first article, excuse me, yeah, first article, clause 8, about the general welfare. The general welfare had nothing to do with redistributing wealth or the dole or, you know, anything socialist. It had everything to do with stability and predictability. They wanted 
good government. That's what the general welfare was, was good government. They needed a justice system so people could be assured injustice would not be done. They needed a government that was going to protect from foreign and domestic violence. They needed a sound money system. All of those things were established under the United States Constitution. And so that is the general welfare. That's what the general welfare clause talks about. Good government, stability and predictability. Well, today that has been ripped out from under us, and and the idea that justice is available in, in the system now is highly questionable. Uh, it's, it's biased uh, towards the uh, prosecutor side, and, uh, you know, lock them up, throw away the key, you know. The idea of habeas corpus is hardly even, you know, admitted anymore. And that's where you not only chance. not only doctor is hardly even admitted, but now you bring up habeas corpus, you bring up some of these these things, or you bring up the Constitution, or or anything about the founding fathers or the checks and balances, and the judges literally go ballistic now, and they literally well, treat you like an enemy because you bring up uh, you know the constitutionality or the uh, posse comitatus or the um, you know any of these things, they just go absolutely crazy and throw the book at you. Well, th- therein lies part of the problem. The, uh, we've talked many times on your program about how in the beginning of the, this fledgling nation under the new Constitution, the United States Constitution, if there was a bias in the justice system, it was biased towards the, the accused. The idea was let's not do anything that would, would cause someone to be improperly accused and then have injustice done by by not just prosecuting them, but actually uh, punishing them. And so if you carefully read, you know, whether you're in Article 3 and reading about the jury system, that was a critically important thing. The jury system has been eviscerated nowadays. Uh, The Sparks case back in the middle of the 1890s uh, basically took away uh, or attempted to took away. It still exists, but the courts have chosen to ignore it, the idea of jury nullification. And uh, jury nullification is a soundly founded doctrine that uh, if, if you have a biased judge or you have a bad law, the jury can set aside the law in the case that's before them. It doesn't set aside some legislatively enacted law. What it does, it says, you know, in this case, you know, the law's there. Yeah, we admit it, but it's, a, it's not going to apply in this case. We're, we're finding the defendant innocent and we're setting them free. Those kinds of things have largely been thrown out the, the door and the window in favor of a, uh, a prosecutorial kind of approach to things wherein uh, the, we, the people, are kind of left lacking because of the establishment. Now, by the way, Jefferson and others were very supportive of this concept of uh, jury nullification because it, it was kind of, the well, the second to the last, I guess I could say, line of defense, uh, the last one perhaps being the right to keep and bear arms, uh, which right now probably put me in crosshairs because uh, they definitely don't want anybody to ultimately, uh, when they've given up on our just all justice, to resort to anything else. Sounds like we've got Amen to Amen to that. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Barbara and Ken absolutely believe in miracles. Do you? Let's have trust in the Lord, shall we? Liberty Roundtable. Live. 
There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. The 2020 elections were one of the most corrupt in history. See the proof for yourself. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. 2,000 mules, a shocking new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. One mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. 2,000 mules. Join the special virtual premiere and Q&A on May 7th. Get your tickets now. Available only at 2000mules.com. 2000mules.com. Sponsored by Salem Media Group. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Dr. Scott Bradley, FreedomRisingSun.com, and Sam Bushman on your radio, breaking it down this beautiful Monday morning. So this is kind of fascinating. On the mainstream news, they say over and over and over, and in the radio commercial, everywhere, that you know what, there's no election fraud at all. But Dr. Bradley, I got two problems. Uh, in Gillespie County, Texas, all three election officials quit. They just flat out quit. They complained harassment made them quit. The problem is Donald Trump won about 60% of the vote in that county. So it can't be Donald Trump by its rioting and getting all crazy. But they, they say harassment and everything else. All three judges quit. And now the state of Texas has to take over the Gillespie County elections. But, of course, there's no election fraud. And then in Florida, um, Ron DeSantis just arrested 20 people uh, for election fraud. Uh, and, but yet they say there's no evidence of election fraud, doctor. Can you help me with this? I'm not very smart. Yeah, it's really confusing, isn't it? I mean, we have all sorts of uh, evidence out there that refuses to be looked at. Uh, when something does, you know, kind of somehow surface, it bubbles up finally, and oh my goodness, look at that. Oh, we've got a whack-a-mole, if you will, whack it down again. Um, there's th this thing in, in Florida, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, no, 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 that's, uh, that's not anything related to what... Donald Trump's been claiming it's it's simply some people that uh, had had their voting rights removed because of convictions of certain crimes. Now, in Florida, if you're a convicted uh, criminal longer in jail, in most cases you can vote. Uh, but be in case of murder and I think some sexual uh, crimes, you can't. And so 
they've they've found some people apparently that they're charging that uh, that fit in that category and they did vote okay now uh, you know, usually when there's smoke, there's fire, and there's a whole bunch of other things that are out there, too. But there are uh, just almost innumerable examples, it seems like, where, oh, well, uh, yeah, okay, in this case, there might have been some some election fraud or some some problematic issues that came up. But no, 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 generally, it's been completely uh, above board and, oh, the most secure election. No, it has not. And anybody with more than a half a brain, which tells you a lot about much of the population of the United States, anybody with more than a half a brain and is willing to give some consideration to what's being brought forth would recognize there's challenges. And, and what's happening is that there's an attempt to canonize, if you will, you know, make sacred and holy and unmovable the, uh, the uh, processes by which the 2020 election was brought into such great question. You know, this almost universal, uh, you know, mail-in ballot kind of thing. It makes it almost impossible to track. The idea of drop boxes where, uh, you know, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds and hundreds of fake ballots can be dropped off with, with no track, you know, no way to track them. And the idea of going back to paper ballots, the idea of going back to in-person voting, the idea of going back to, you know, uh, Meeting in your voting precinct with people that is are the your only neighbors. real solution, Doctor. It is, but here's the deal: uh, in in our state of Utah, uh, our state of Utah, probably one of the most corrupt election uh, groups in the nation. It sounds whoa, wait a minute, oh, you guys are all Republicans out there. No, well, first of all, we're not, but second of all, um, the uh, the process is being used, I believe, by the incumbent system to promote, you know, their ongoing power base, uh, the, the, they're saying, no, 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 don't worry about it. These, these election machines are, are impeccable. They, they can't be hacked. They can't be in any way pre-programmed or reprogrammed for anything. The idea that uh, everybody gets a ballot is, is completely, you don't even talk to them about it. But the idea of having, you know, if people do need a mail-in ballot, have them request it. I mean, you know, here, okay, I'm going on record, I need a mail-in ballot. Someone may say, okay, well, here's one going out to you. We will track that ballot to make sure it gets back. But not 200 ballots that come back in off of one ballot or something like that. Um, if somebody's, you know, going to be out of town or their military serving somewhere else or something like that, uh, certainly those kinds of things would be exceptions to this. But, but the vast majority of people could come to a, a polling place. It is something they need to put an emphasis on. Get off your butts, go down there and vote. And quit whining about how you got to leave the TV set for 15 minutes to go down and vote. It's absurd. And, and again, if there is, uh, you know, shut-ins and, and those that are, you know, somehow physically unable to be able to come do it, have them request a ballot. And then that ballot can be sent to them. But don't make a blanket out there. Utah's got all sorts of other troubles, as I inferred, where the, uh, and, and we, we probably don't have time to discuss this in your programs, more of a natural, national nature, but maybe other states have a similar program where the governor's office and the lieutenant governor's office in Utah, they're like president and vice president. They run as running mates. They're, they're best of buds and everything else that they're in. The, the uh, lieutenant governor's office is the one that runs the election. And surprise, surprise. The lieutenant governor's office, ah, 
the incumbent always wins. Can you imagine? And uh, and they're not forthcoming with many of the uh, the things that should be available through transparency. They seem to do a cover and run kind of thing. or And then you bring up anything uh, that would be alternative or, or questioning or want to confirm or validate, and they simply call you a terrorist. They simply say well, you're somehow believing you're not the a big terrorist, lie. Or, yeah, if you're not a terrorist, you're a conspiracy theorist. And, and in the county I live in, I mean, you know, don't even breathe an idea about getting rid of these uh, these monolithic uh, vote counting machines that are there. And, you know, you push the button when you're done, and it gives you a number. Who voted for what? Let's do a recount. Push the button again. Oh, by golly, you get the same number. Ha, huh, must be right. And, and you go on. Whereas with the paper ballot kind of world, people with, you know, multiple eyes are looking at the ballots as they come through. It's an open, uh, kind of a transparent process, if you will. And if you come up with a discrepancy, you recount them. And you do the certification at the local level. And it gets certified and passed up the, the line. And there's, there is a kind of a chain of responsibility that, that goes with these things. And there's no question. But you know what's interesting? If they were to do paper ballots... If they were to have the right people in the room, so multiple ballot counters, multiple people watching the ballot counts, video surveillance so that you could do what they do in sports, an instant replay or review or stop in the middle of ballot counting if there's a question or a debate or an issue, and people were to swear under the penalty of perjury to the vote count, uh, you know, 99% of these problems could literally go away, doctor. But they oh, won't no, do it. No they think we're crazy for trying to accomplish this. And it just tells me, what have they got to hide if they think we're so crazy? If they're so opposed to this, why? I, I don't think they think we're crazy. They try to build that image in people's minds. Oh, yeah, we can put that guy in a com this compartment over here, the wild and crazy-eyed guy that never combs his hair or whatever. You know, uh, we can put him in that compartment and... And we discount everything that they come up with. Oh, yeah, it's such a broad spectrum of conspiracy theorists that we can we can put people into that reduce their uh, public image and uh, thereby their credibility. But but the fact of the matter is everybody, every single soul should want to protect that sacred voting responsibility and, and the, the privilege of being able to select those that are to represent us within the limits and bounds of the government that we have given our voters, you know, the, the consent of the governed to, uh, you know, under constitutional process. And, and everybody should want to do that. And, and uh, they've been stealing the election process away from the states, which it originally was intended by the American Founding Fathers to be under the jurisdiction and, and protection of the states. And everything that's happened at the general level, at the national level, if you will, has been an effort to completely swoop that away until finally we have the Leviathan sitting there. Oh, we're going to get a better election process uh, by having the, f the federal government in charge of it. Are you kidding me? Do and an by creating people. a new, I don't know if you know, but they created a new division at the post office specifically for ballots. Well, now, okay. this one, government just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And there's no, it's just the Hegelian dialectic played to perfection to where the only answer is government, and government always grows. Well, the post office, okay, people, give me a break. Do an analysis. Do a cognitive process. You know, God gave you a mind. He gave you the privilege of thinking. Think about this for a minute. Has the post office gotten better or worse in recent times? 
and, and start realizing they're doing a crappy job with whatever jo job they've got right now. And, and there's all sorts of uh, efforts to uh, shore them up and give them some kind of, you know, continued legs. I mean, yeah, they're constitutional. There was a, there was a valid reason to establish a postal system in the United States in the beginning. Uh, Jefferson, for example, oftentimes he lamented the fact that when correspondence got to him, it had been tampered with. Somebody read his mail. And the idea was, hey, let's make sure that we do have a secure system to mail. But but since then, it's been degrading and degrading. And Hang tight, Dr. Bradley. Listen to the wind blow. They just want to see which direction the wind blows and see if they can take advantage of it. That's what politicians always do. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live with Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Taiwan is assuring the United States that it can count on it to be a reliable supplier of semiconductors. Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen met with Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb today about expanding economic cooperation between the state and Taiwan. Holcomb is the third American leader to visit Taiwan this month. The Biden administration will announce in the next week or so a decision on student loan payments, which have been on pause since March of 2020. Education Secretary Miguel Cordona on NBC News points out the teacher shortfalls in America. And yes, we are dealing with a shortage issue, but some of the long-term solutions that we must focus on are creating grow-your-own programs. We, we need to tap the shoulders of our high school students, of our paraeducators who are dedicated in our schools already, and give them a pathway to higher education. We are USA Radio News. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up to anything? I've made around $200. Wow. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code EARN for an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code EARN for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code EARN for 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. Ford Motor Company plans to appeal a $1.7 billion verdict against them after a pickup truck crash that claimed the lives of a Georgia couple. Jurors in Gwinnett County, just northeast of Atlanta, returned the verdict late last week. A strong weather event is happening in the Gulf of Mexico with its sights on Texas. A potential cyclone is churning off the Gulf Coast of Texas. Molly McCollum is a meteorologist with the Weather Channel. She says parts of Texas could see three to five inches of rain. The problem is we've been very dry, and when the rain starts to fall, it's falling on very dry soil. So we could see some of that initially start to run off and cause some flash flooding issues both Monday and extending into Tuesday morning. But these are places like Dallas, Houston, Waco that desperately need the rain. For the USA Radio News Gulf Coast Bureau, I'm Tony Maruso. 
Monday night football preseason tonight, the Jets will host the Falcons. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Bradley and Sam Bushman on your radio, freedomsrisingsun.com to learn more about Dr. Bradley. Dr. Scott Bradley's incredible work, freedomsrisingsun.com. His incredible collegiate series to preserve the nations available there. Also, the weekly webinars and a whole lot more. Just absolutely constitutional education to preserve the nation, the goal. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just telling you right now this vote fraud thing. I don't want to go on about it forever, but it's just they claim it doesn't exist. They claim we're psychotic or crazy. The fact is 20 people just got arrested in uh, in Florida. Now, I got a, a little bit of a split mind on that debate, too, because I, on one hand, I think if you really served your debt to society and you've you finished your, your jail time and your probation or whatever else, I believe personally your rights should be completely restored. Uh, I don't see how you could just be basically half of a person or given half your rights forever, even though you supposedly finished your sentence and your probation and paid your debt to society. Uh, that's a whole other topic. But meanwhile, though, hey, you got illegals voting. You got dead people voting. You've got criminals voting and everything else. And then I say there's election fraud uh, and they say, oh, you're crazy. There's no such thing. It's just so minimal. It doesn't matter. And then I had 20 people get arrested in Florida and three um, election officials in Texas literally quit. And you kind of go, wow. All right, let's move to the FCC for a quick second. We call for a complete shutdown of both the FCC and the FDA immediately. They're both unconstitutional, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, the CDC now. I'm here. Okay. It uh, looks like we've run into some technical difficulties with Sam's connection. But, uh, again, is, uh, <laughs> don't get me started on the alphabet soup organizations that have been unconstitutionally created in the United States. Um, we need to examine all of them. I mean, Sam started this segment. I don't know when you actually lost him. I know when I lost him, it just brought up the, the FCC and the FDA as being unconstitutional. And absolutely, unequivocally, you may search in vain through the United States Constitution. Read it carefully many times over. Hey, we could all do a good uh, turn daily by doing that regularly. Uh, but, but search it for something that would possibly allow those organizations to exist. And, uh, and by the way, uh, let's just parenthetically make a remark at this particular point. There are people that, that believe, oh, I know right where to go. I, I, can, I can find this. It's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18. And, uh, you know, Clause uh, Section 18 of Article 1 is the congressional power delegation that happens in the Constitution. And uh, Clause 18 says Congress shall have power to make laws, make all laws, which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers, so read the previous 17 clauses, and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. Many people have, have adopted the term elastic clause on this particular aspect of it. Uh, the clause being, oh, you see, we, we've got the power to do whatever we need to do. I mean, okay, read it carefully. 
because it is talks about the power uh, that's necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers. So if we look at Article 1, Section 8, Clause 5, the power to coin money, okay, they can create a, a mint, they can, they can staff it, they can pay the regulatory, you know, whatever's necessary to hire people for it. They can define the uh, issues in regards to the amount of precious metal that's, that's necessary uh, to bring about what's a dollar. They defined a dollar. Can you imagine the, in the 1792 Coinage Act? Well, they have the power to do all of that, as is stated in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18. But that does not mean that they have the power to counterfeit money or do any of the other things that they do under the Federal Reserve. So it's a really, really, uh, it's, it's a limiting factor to say the United States government has the power to do, carry out what they've been delegated the power to do. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it, you have the power to do it, you have to be able to fulfill all aspects of that. And so, no, the, the so-called uh, um, elastic clause, which is not elastic at all, it simply delegates the authority to carry out the authority that's in there. But, but what happens is the Congress uh, unconstitutionally uh, violates a constitutional protocol that was clearly understood from the very beginning that a power delegated by the people through the constitutional process may not be redelegated. You know, John Locke wrote about that extensively in his treatise on civil government. And not only, Dr. Bradley, can it not be redelegated, but it cannot just be expanded or modified uh, via executive order or other branches of government or internally just by regulations. And, uh, you know, for example, they just created in the post office this, quote, new division to handle ballots or to handle you know, election correspondence, so to speak. They don't have authority to, to create divisions within divisions and play games and add these functionalities or these uh, capabilities via regulations that were never intended. See, this is not the intent of the founders, and that's the problem with it. I support a post office because it's constitutional. But this idea that we're going to do, you know, cancer, breast cancer stamps, or we're going to do this and that political agenda, or we're going to ship packages and compete with the private sector – uh, it was designed for basic, simple, clear, consistent correspondence and nothing more. Now they're turning it into this massive behemoth organization that's completely um, void of its mission. Well, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 7 specifically says Congress shall have power to establish post offices and post roads. Okay, so the authority to do certain things was assigned in the Constitution, delegated, if you will. Um, the, the United States government took some things over, if you will, that says, okay, uh, okay, let's do foreign uh, in, in, uh, negotiation, let's do treaties, let's, let's do warfare, let's do those kind of things at the general government. If you read the 45th Federalist Paper, you find that their powers are few and defined, and it has to do with external things, you know, like war, like trade, and so on and so forth. And, and you can read carefully and find that out. All of these alphabet soup organizations that are there, uh, like the F Food and Drug Administration, like the Centers for Disease Control, like the OSHA, like uh, the Federal Communications Commission, all of these things are usurpations. And if you also carefully read the Tenth Amendment, it says that if we didn't give you the power, you don't have the power. End of discussion. And, and so what has happened, because this has been, these encroachments have been going on for so many decades, people, and particularly students that have been through the public education system, have come to believe that, oh yeah, that's the way it's always been. 
Yeah, that's how we do business in the United States. No, it has not been. The Federal Reserve, for example, it's neither federal and no, nor are there any reserves there. It's a private banking consortium that, uh, by congressional enactment, has been delegated unconstitutionally again because you can't redelegate what was given by the consent of the governed to someone else. You can't do it by treaty. You can't do it by executive order, as you point out, Sam. You cannot do it by a legislative enactment that purports to delegate authority. You can't do it. It simply is unconstitutional. If, if Unelected bureaucrats via, via uh, regulations can't do it either, doctor. You're, you're right. And, and what happens with the IRS, for example, and, and we could do numerous others, but let's just use them for example. Uh, they're a good example of a bad example. The uh, Congress purports to delegate to them the authority, the, the rulemaking authority. They're going to create policies and regulations about the collection of money out of your back pocket. And, and so they create the law. The IRS does. No, no, Congress. Uh, no, they're the only ones that can create law. Look at Article 1, Section 1. And, and they not only create the law, they enforce the law. Oh, no, wait a minute. The executive has the responsibility to enforce. Okay, they're in the executive branch, but they created the law. That's a, that's a conflict. That's a, a separation of powers issues. And then they adjudicate the law. You go through their legal, if you will, court system, and, and get drained of all the funds you've possibly got stashed away. And, and oh, yeah, you can, when, when you're done with going through our system, you could take it to court if you wanted, but you're already out of money. You've spent all your money on attorneys and, and uh, been delayed. Your business has been put out of business and so on and so forth to the point that you don't have that anymore. Oh, on paper you do, but no, you, you physically can't carry it out anymore. That's an example of this violation of separation of powers. It's a violation of constitutional delegation of powers. That's a violation of who creates, enforces, and, and then adjudicates laws. All of this stuff is happening in the alphabet soup organizations. And, uh, and so what needs to happen is a restoration of the original intent, what was there from the very, very beginning. And nobody, nobody, nobody has the, re the uh, right or the responsibility or the power to change it. There's, there's a specific power delegated within the Constitution to make changes to the constitutional authority. And it can't happen by any other means. And, and, and the way so you simple. know they really don't have power or authority, ladies and gentlemen, is because whenever you push back and say they don't have authority, they act like you're some kind of a threat to their authority. Why would they feel threatened if they're within their delegated authority? Interesting questions. Dr. Scott Bradley in seconds continues on Liberty Roundtable Live. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. 
The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Scott Bradley and Sam Bushman on your radio. We're talking about the proper role of limited constitutional government based on checks and balances, based on the rule of law, based on the contract that Americans set up for the proper role of government. They had a contract at the general level. The U.S. Constitution is the contract where we separate authority into three different branches, and they're supposed to check one another, hold one another accountable, prevent one another from gaining too much authority and power. We also do the same thing at the state level. Each state has a constitution. And the state constitution is like-minded, but state-related. Then the state constitution and the general constitution are supposed to balance one another and create a check on one another as well. This is really the, the fundamental founding of America that created such a unique form of government. That's why they said you have a republic if you can keep it. It's a constitutional republic where God's law matters most, uh, government being necessary, but yet dangerous. And the Founding Fathers understood this balance oh so well. And that's why they created such a unique system of checks and balances, a unique system of delegated authority, a unique system where the people are still in charge under Almighty God. But the morality of the people being the kingpin for solutions and the kingpin for stability and safety. You have a republic, if you can keep it, meant do you understand the dual sovereignty between the general government, very limited and defined, and the state governments, and then the three branches of government, so vertical and horizontal checks and balances, and morality was the key to uphold it all. Without that morality, they said, hey, without religion and morality are the two fundamental uh, supports. You know what? You will not succeed. This nation can only be governed by those fundamental principles enshrined in the contract, Dr. Bradley. Well, there's no question, and, and we can, uh, if you will, prove that every way to Sunday. The idea that uh, the United States Constitution was a written contract was clearly enunciated, uh, where, as Tucker said, government was reduced to its elements, its object was defined, its principles ascertained, its powers limited and fixed. We can look through the Federalist at, a, at, a, at further evidence of that. 
we can talk about uh, all the other statements that have been made by Tucker, for example, about the Constitution doesn't authorize Congress to regulate commerce in any state at all, completely. I mean, all the Second Amendment laws are based upon a usurpation of that power, for example. The United States government has no authority to uh, uh, adjudicate any criminal activity, to make laws in regards to it, to define anything like that, unless it's specifically stated in the Constitution. And and we, as, but just before the break, I mentioned the idea of, of the United States government being a, a creature of the contract. The contract is specific. It's written in plain English. Those English words have meanings. They can mean nothing but what they meant in the day they were written. And so they are limiting and bounding. And, and so what happens is that this creature that was created under the Constitution, you know, whether it's the office of the president or the Congress or the, uh, the judicial side of the world, all of that stuff was created in the contract. The states were the creators of the contract. They have a responsibility to keep the creature in check. Uh, as Jefferson said, let no more be said of confidence in man, but bind him down from mischief with the change of the Constitution. Jefferson and Madison clearly uh, and eloquently stated the limits and bounds when they wrote uh, the uh, Virginia and Kentucky resolutions to show uh, the wisdom and understanding that the general government, what a lot of people call the federal government or the national government, it's neither federal nor national, and again, we'll have to review that again sometime on your show, Sam. But where the the states have a responsibility to say you're limited and bounded to the specifics that were delegated to you in the United States Constitution. The general government does not have the authority to redefine its limits and bounds. So all of these things that are happening because of our ignorance, our, our complacency, our complicitness, our are thinking we can feed at the trough, whatever, and get some benefit that we're going to somehow be better off by, which I s seriously think we could demonstrate there is no benefit by uh, blinking or turning a blind eye or whatever to what usurpations are happening at the general government level. We could, we need to say it's time to return to the original intent as was established in 1787, 1789, and in the early years of the of the Constitution. There's been efforts to usurp. I mean, in 1792, for example, when uh, there was an effort to redefine general welfare clause to include all things financial, uh, Madison got up on the floor. He was a member of Congress, and he said, whoa, 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 baby. Uh, you got to carefully consider that this will destroy our constitutional republic if you allow this redefinition of terms. There's been efforts from the very beginning to redefine terms, but they've, they've been false, they've been wrong, and in every instance that it's happened, we have found there's been a, uh, basically an erosion of our proper government. It's simply gone south. Liberty. It has. We've, we've, I mean, and we're as a people, we're willingly allowing it to be flushed away, gone. Our grandkids will never know what was given away in this generation if we don't step up to it. Well, and that's why Liberty Roundtable Live exists, ladies and gentlemen. It is about education. This is a great educational platform trying to bring us back to the legacy of our founding fathers, trying to carry their hard work, their dedication, their sacrifice forward in meaningful ways. So, for example, when modern things come about that the Constitution 
uh, we pretend it doesn't cover, because I believe the Constitution covers everything, if we really are honest with ourselves. Why do I say that? Because the Founding Fathers had an understanding. This great compromise, the Constitution, um, creating the, the basically the uh, the whole contract with we the people, it's not meant to be expanded or manipulated or justified. I believe in the traditions of the Founding Fathers, and I believe in strict constitutional implementation. However, modern-day things do apply. Let me give you an example. They always say this. You know what? The modern gun, you know, the Founding Fathers never, ever understood that you could put 15 rounds, 20 rounds, 30 rounds in a gun and just pull the trigger over and over and, hey, that's way beyond the scope of the founder. No, it's not. No, stop. The founders understood that you need a force, you need firepower, whatever term you want to use to relate it, you need a check and a balance against government. And so whatever government arms they could have, we need to have similar, like-minded in our day. And yes, if it ratchets up and guns get more powerful, guns get faster in firing, guns get more whatever, um, what's the next step after the gun? For mutual destruction, if you so choose. I don't know. I'm just telling you that the founding fathers understood the principles what we're talking about here. It isn't how many bullets you can put uh, in a gun, or how many can rapidly, you know, position themselves in the chamber for fire. It, that, that isn't the discussion. The semantics, uh, the mechanics are not the discussion. The fundamental understanding of principle, which is, hey, we need enough capability to back government down when it disobeys its delegation, its authority by we the people and the authority we gave it. When they exceed that, when they violate the contract, we need the ability to resist and stop them from their abuses. And, and that fundamental principle doesn't change just because you somehow now make a gun that can have six cylinder, you know, a revolver. And then we take that to the next level and we say, hey, we're going to have, you know, automatic uh, pistols or rifles or you know rapid firing this or that or even all the way to a machine gun whether you have to pull the trigger in succession or just pull the trigger and it continues to fire as long as the trigger is held down none of those things matter when you talk about the principle the principle is we need to be able to repel government they were very clear on this point doctor there's no question they were and in fact uh, what you just said is is uh, i can just see the the people in the background hyperventilating and and apoplectic over everything. I mean, suddenly you've caused uh, several of the legislators to have a stroke, which might not be a bad thing. But I have told but the, the truth. Yes, you have. And the fact of the matter is the American Founding Fathers stated that exactly. And that was their intent was this Second Amendment and the idea of all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody takes up arms against government just because they have a, uh, a disagreement about this or that or the other. These things are as a final resolution over a usurping government. And I, I personally believe that, that the, uh, the intent of those that want to overthrow this government, they're chomping at the bit. They're rubbing their hands in the wings of this thing, hoping and praying. Well, maybe they don't pray, except for themselves. They're hoping for the, the time that they can accelerate where people will resort to arms. I think there's lots of steps between now and then that we can re resolve these problems peaceably, but there There are, however, Dr. Bradley, a lot of the patriots, though, uh, misconstrue and they think they've tried everything when they jump from A to Z, and they think we're ready for that, and we're clearly not. Uh, agreed. I mean, uh, I can't tell how, and this, you know, it goes back to a few years ago 
we don't have a lot of F-16s out there nowadays. There's a lot of other countries that do, the, the uh, fighter jet. But, uh, you know, I tell people, you know, you, you might have an M-16, but they got an F-16. F-16s have a lot more firepower built into them and can drop napalm spears and everything else like that. But the point of the matter is it will get ugly. It will accelerate and become overwhelmingly ugly if you precipitously jump off this cliff. Uh, some people, some of your uh, listeners may have seen the movie, the as a Mel Gibson movie, the, the Patriot, when Mel Gibson, this, you know, guy that was a, a hero of the French and Indian War, resisted jumping into war with England. And uh, you might remember the little legislative session in which that happened. And uh, they're, they're saying, what, what's happened to you? You become a coward? Are you, are you crazy? It's time to jump in. And he said, you know what? Your families are going to see things that you don't want them to see if you bring this to us. And, and he was reluctant to jump in precipitously and in advance of when it should have been. And then, of course, if you go on. And not movie, only see, out. doctor, but forced to experience. Absolutely. Remember that. It'll be ugly beyond measure, beyond measure. People cannot imagine the, the price that will be exacted when this time comes. If it comes, we pray that it doesn't. So that's why we've got to become awakened and aroused and understand and not just go to force of arms without any, you know, this, this thing, there are so many other ways to solve this. But if people don't understand the baseline principles, how in the world are you going to elect someone to your city council or to your state legislature that's not a dodo and a dork? Someone that, that's there, you know, kind of encouraging you to, to crouch down and lick the hand that feeds you and all that kind of stuff. What, if we don't understand these baseline principles of liberty and proper government, you know, this idea of checks and balances and delegation of authority and all of these things. People, we have a pathway back. The pathway is well marked. If we will look at that pathway and we will find our way through intelligence back to the beginning principles, we can save this nation. And that's what we're trying to do. And I, I, I weep that there are people that are, are loath to do that. But I take excitement and hope in that Dr. Bradley and Sam Bushman and many others are standing for the sacred cause of liberty, which we will continue to do day in and day out on your radio. Thanks for being alongside for the ride. To learn more about Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com. For Sam Bushman and Dr. Bradley, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show.
All right, happy, happy to have you, my fellow Americans. Americans. All right. Hope you're all, Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for 20, or I'm sorry, August 22nd in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property on your radio and to promote God, family, and country. How about that? In seconds, our buddy Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, will be with us. In the meantime, the last hour we had on Dr. Scott Bradley. And we talked about um, Barb and Ken absolutely believe in miracles. And uh, you know what? Please share widely and pray hard, says Ken and Barb. And they want you to know that they trust in the Lord whose battle this is. We need to pray and work hard. So last Friday, they had the sentencing for Barb and Ken. And it's interesting, Barb and Ken showed up on the uh, WebEx link. But the government basically said, look, we're going to just um, delay this because you didn't come in in person. Uh, but they say they were not going to give them any jail time, but yet they got a bench warrant out for their arrest. That's why Ken and Barb decided not to go in. They were afraid they'd be arrested on the spot. The problem is, what gives with the government mixed messages being sent right now? What a tragic shame our court systems have become. Lowell Nelson with me, CampaignForLiberty.org. Welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Thank you for having me, Sam. It is good to be with you. Before we get to the topics of the day, really quick, do you want to sound off on Ken? What are they doing? They say no jail time, but there's a bench warrant out for your arrest? Well, Sending because, mixed uh, messages, to say the least. Yeah, they are sending mixed messages, and I think it's because they cannot figure out how to fit a square peg into a round hole, or vice versa, a round peg into a square hole. And... What I mean when I say that is that uh, Ken is refuting. He, he's not playing ball the way they like to play ball. They like to saddle you with a prosecutor. I'm sorry, with a public defender. Um, they they want you to follow all their rules and they want you to play nice so that they can, you know, put you away in a cage for a few years, slap your hands, whatever, you know. And and Ken has chosen not to fight that way. He's he's, he's challenging their jurisdiction. He's, um, you know, filing motions they're not acquainted with that are out of the norm. Uh, these are sound motions. They're sound, you know, sound thinking. But because it doesn't fit their paradigm, I think they're, they just don't know what to do really with them. And so they, they just sort of force them. They railroad them basically uh, into, you know, and 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 and. But it's illegal, you know, what they're doing. They they should provide him due process. They should accommodate his request for due process and yet they are they he doesn't fit and so they're, they're they're not giving him due process and it's just i don't know it's a train wreck sam and and i don't know how else to put it it's a train wreck ladies and gentlemen and sadly i don't expect it to get any better because i don't believe they want it to get better what they want is the intimidation factor to continue uh uh-huh. what they want is for ken and barb to become quote a in-your-face example, so the rest of us stay on the reservation. I don't even know what to say about it, but expect it to get worse, folks. I wish it weren't so, but predict it. It is true. All right, we want to celebrate Ron Paul. He just had his birthday, didn't he, Lowell? Yeah, turned 87 on Saturday, two days ago. <clears throat> he was born in 1935, 
there in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, it, it, he's such a great man, a great example to other legislators around the country um, in, in so many ways. I just thought it would be fun to reminisce a little bit <laughs> about Dr. Ron Paul uh, this morning. Uh, he was at the epicenter of the Ron Paul Revolution 2007 and 8. I remember distributing Ron Paul palm cards to thousands of people in Utah County during that summer. You know, every every summer there's uh, community parades and festivals that go on in communities up and down Utah County. There's 29 communities in Utah County, and I attended at least half of all of the parades that summer and um, made dozens and dozens of friends in the Liberty Movement. It was fun. It was totally fun, Sam. You, you remember this, all the many, many people and friends we made during that, that campaign during the summer of 2007, people just coming out of the woodwork. I mean, people who were not partisan in any way. They had long since given up hope for the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. But they came out to support Ron uh, because uh, he has such a tracker, a long track record, decades of, of votes in the Congress where he was oftentimes the lone vote where he would be voting against some bill simply because it violated the Constitution. Um, I remember him voting against uh, giving the honorarium or memoriam to uh, Rosa Parks. Now, you know, obviously, Ron and you and I, we admire Rosa Parks for standing up for liberty the way she did when she was ordered to the back of the bus. She refused and uh, was arrested, and of course, she was still alive at the time they voted on this, but Congress wanted to give her an award. It was a cash award, something like $30,000 or something, and a beautiful uh, honorarium. Um, uh, and, and Ron Paul voted no. <laughs> 434 to 1 was the vote. And when asked about why he voted no on, on giving Rosa Parks this recognition, he said, well, it's <laughs> not mine to give. And then he recounted the Davy Crockett story, you know, not mine to give. Wonderful, beautiful story. And right there in our modern time, uh, a man who's living yet today, he he uh, brought that and refreshed our own minds. The fact that you know this this money is not 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 Congress's to give. It's stolen from the taxpayers, and you can't just hand it out. To, to some person, even even if the best person in the world, it deserves it. <laughs> Someone like Rosa Parks, because that money is sacred money. It's only to be used to, you know, in in constitutional, uh, constitutionally mandated ways. And because that didn't fit the the Constitution, Ron Paul voted no. <laughs> he was he was known in the Congress as Doctor No, uh, and that's just one of the many reasons why he. He became famous for being Dr. No. And let's um, be very clear. He stood alone so often because he was the only one with the integrity to say, look, this isn't a compromise all the time. This is a principle-based decision. The reason I'm Dr. No here is based on principle. And the principles, 90, 99 out of 100 were this. Either I don't have authority to do this, which means we Congress don't have authority. We've never been delegated that ability or authority. Or number two, it violates the checks and balances, so I won't do this. Or number three, it spends money that breaks the proper role line. 
when a when a when an expenditure is defensive in nature, it might have merit. When it's offensive in nature, oftentimes there are no merits. And so he had these fundamental principles that governed his decisions. And he was steady as a rock with those principles in mind all the time. And not only did he provide a no vote most of the time, showing how out of touch Congress really is, but he provided a yes vote on occasion when it was proper. And it really acted as a bellwether, as a guide for constitutionalists to understand. I cut my teeth getting into politics 30 years ago. Uh, One of the great pillars, not counting the founding fathers, obviously, uh, was Ezra Taft Benson. Uh, the former Secretary of Agriculture under the Eisenhower administration, uh, very well-known, prolific author on constitutional principles, etc., uh, and Ron Paul, who was a modern-day patriot uh, in the, uh, in my opinion, in the image of the Founding Fathers. I mean, he was true blue for real, got it done based on principle, etc. And these are the people that we should look to for guidance in modern day. We should look to the Founding Fathers, but then if you want modern-day examples of action, of accountability, of uh, uh, constitutionality, of consistency. Ron Paul, I don't know that you can find anybody on the top of the list more than Ron. So what a celebration of his birthday. What a celebration of his legacy, Lowell. Yeah, absolutely, Um, uh, Sam. I remember part of his campaign, I think he activated the the, uh, tax protest, the Tea Parties uh, of, of about a decade ago, 10, 12 years ago. The Tea Parties grew out of the Ron Paul Revolution. Uh, a lot of great things, a lot of great people, you know, that, that I met, uh, they, they are the ones who are smack in the middle of holding the line against uh, tax increases in communities around the country and in states around the country. Um, they have, uh, the, the Ron Paul Revolution, I believe, has bred a number of great, uh, uh, not only activists, but also public servants, people who have run for office in their states and counties and school boards and, and community councils and so forth. Um, and, and because of that, we're getting better government. We're getting more good people involved. I've always said, Sam, that politics is dirty because good people don't get involved. And the more good people get involved, then the less dirty politics would become. So, And I, I believe that. I, I want good people to become more involved in politics, making contributions in this sacred cause of liberty. I think back to some of the Ron Paul rallies and debates uh, where the crowd would chant, end the Fed, you know, whenever the talk or the debate uh, turned to the Federal Reserve System. That wouldn't have happened if Ron Paul had not made that an issue during his campaign. And all of his, all of his advisors, they were saying, nobody knows about, in the, about the Federal Reserve System. Don't talk about that. But Ron Paul is his own man. He talked about it and made it popular to end the Fed. Sam? Roger that. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertip continues in mere seconds on Liberty Roundtable Live. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. The 
TheEpicTimes.com. We at Freedom Factor have a passion for our shared American heritage and want to help restore some of that American pride by emphasizing the documents that made us Americans. Our goal is to put pocket constitutions into the hands of every American and in every school. This effort requires your help. Order your pocket constitutions and browse our website at freedomfactor.org to learn how you can help spread the message of freedom. Read it, know it, share it. Freedomfactor.org. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. All right, Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson on your radio. So Ron Paul, he was right on so many things. Um, what's fascinating is he spoke about these things 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, but he's right as rain, and every time we turn around, it's another Ron Paul was right again, Lowell. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, one of the uh, – his campaign model, Sam, was really to shake things up, is to educate people more than anything. He's a great philosopher, one of the great thinkers, and he read great books. Uh, uh, Von Mises, for example, Mur- uh, Murray Rothbard, and and, uh, and Hayek. I mean, these were, were people who, who fired his mind. And then he would share that information, that knowledge, with the people he spoke with. And so he, under- he knew that people could understand the Federal Reserve System and could could tell what was wrong, and, and so he had no fear in talking about this, making popular the end the Fed chant and 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 this notion that uh, warfare is connected to welfare, and you 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 can't uh, you can't just shut down one without shutting down the other, and you can't promote one without promoting the other. Um, I mean, some of these connections that are not necessarily intuitive. Um, he he knew that the American people would understand them, and so as he as he, in his first congressional campaign, by the way, he wasn't looking to win. He was looking to educate, um, and he ended up winning, <laughs> which, and of course, that he always uh, tells people who, who run a race, he says, you better watch out because you may win. <laughs> That's a risk you run. You might get elected. Um, uh, but uh, he's been a champion of uh, the Austrian business cycle. He. He talks about the evils of government and, and for years and years always championed individual liberty, he championed the Constitution. Um, here's something he wrote in 1987, you'll remember this. He says, quote, instead of cutting some of the immeasurable waste in the Department of Defense, it has gotten worse. 
um, with the inevitable result that we are less secure today. Foreign intervention has exploded. Only an end to military welfare for foreign governments plus a curtailment of our unconstitutional commitments abroad will enable us to really defend ourselves and solve our financial problems, end of quote. And so you think about that statement, I mean, like you say, right as rain, um, he talked about this, you know, 20 years before, or 15 years before the, you know, the 9-11 happened, which is really blowback for our inter foreign interventionist policy. He was talking about this back in the Carter and Reagan years, that we need to, to have a humble foreign policy, and we shouldn't be involving ourselves in um, uh, the, the conflicts that other uh, nations around the world have, other, other countries, other, um, other nation states. Um, and be, but, but, but because we have involved, because we have had this foreign interventionist policy, foreign policy, where something like the count is up to well over 300 uh, interventions around the world since 1953, um, then we have, we, we, we have uh, precipitated the blowback, which has been affecting us for the past 20 years. Now, the powers that be want this to happen because they, they want uh, conflict, right? They, they want us to, to be mired down in conflict so much so that uh, we, we can't have the peace that, that Ron has so uh, uh, adamantly uh, promoted. I mean, he has promoted peace, peace and prosperity. That, that is the natural outcome of following the blueprint for liberty, following the Constitution. If we'd simply do that, then we would have peace and prosperity and individual liberty in this country. It would be a beacon for all other countries in the world. And that, that's really what he, his, his campaigns have been educational more than political. They have focused on rebuilding a culture of freedom here in our own country. And, um, and, and that's been one of his legacies, I believe, more than anything else. You know, he, and he wanted people to, to, to read. Every Ron Paul stump speech was really not a stump speech. <laughs> there was him reacting to the news of the day by quoting any of the thousands of books that he has read over the past 70 years. Um, you know, I went to his rally for the Republic in Minneapolis. Um, it was held in the, uh, the basketball arena, commonly known as the Minnesota Timberwolves basketball arena. This was in 2008 when he wound down his, his 2008 campaign for the presidency. And that, again, it was an educational campaign. He had thousands and you know, tens of thousands of people show up to his rallies week after week after week during his campaign. Basically, he walked and ran his campaign staff into the ground. And he was such a, a, a personally fit, you know, physically fit person in his early 80s, in his 70s and 80s, that uh, he, he just wore down everybody else who helped with his campaign. <laughs> it just... I mean, he, he, so he's a dynamo, physically fit as well as mentally fit. Um, anyway, I drove out. I drove out there with my family to Minneapolis. We drove 24 hours straight. Uh, my wife and I traded off the driving duties. We pulled a pop-up tent trailer. We stayed at a KOA campground in Minneapolis, and I spent the whole Saturday at that rally, <clears throat> which went from I don't know eight or nine in the morning to nine or ten at night. And then on Sunday, I attended a political leadership school there taught by Mike Rothfeld and Kirk Shelley. 
and it and and I've been bringing that political leadership school to Utah every year since because it's training that I I find it it's uh, it's so valuable and it helps the common citizen learn and and have the tools they need to effect political change uh, here in their communities in their counties in their states so. Uh, anyway, that was a fun trip for us. Uh, I, I associate that with the Ron Paul Revolution, with his campaign for liberty, and then our family leisurely traveled back across the country, visiting a number of fun, fun sites. You know, Little House on the Prairie sites. Um, we also visited Mount Rushmore and many, many other interesting places along the way between Minneapolis and Utah. Um, and we still have bumper stickers for for, for Ron Paul. Uh, I love the homemade sign I often saw during the campaign there, Dr. Paul Cured My Apathy. And one of my favorites is on our tent trailer today, still. It says, the doctor will free you now. <laughs> um, Ron Paul, he, he made a life of sticking his neck out there and doing the right thing. Uh, for example, his position on abortion was a constitutional position, meaning he said it should be left to the states. To decide. I mean, and that that didn't sit well with the pro-life people because the pro-life people wanted a, a one-size-fits-all. Uh, they wanted Congress to, they wanted the Supreme Court to reverse Roe, Roe v. Wade and mandate a pro-life position, but that isn't what the Constitution says. The Constitution says that it's up to the states, and that's the position that Ron Paul took. And of course, the pro-death people didn't like his position because he 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 he, he never did um, abortions. He was a doctor. He delivered over 5,000 babies, and he didn't believe in abortion, and he wouldn't do them. Um, and so, anyway, he took a constitutional position in in public office, and he took the the, the pro-life position as a doctor. Uh, now, what would have happened, Sam? Just think about it. If Ron Paul had not taken this position. Uh, in the 80s and 90s. Do you think that Roe v. Wade would have been overturned this past summer? Um, yeah, I, I I don't think so. I, I, I think because Ron Paul took such a principled stand 20, 30 years ago that finally politics, which is downstream from culture, finally made the right decision in reverse, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade, uh, overturned it, and I just don't think that would have happened if Ron Paul had not taken the stand that he took and has taken for decades on this very important subject, um, the, the, the topic of abortion. <clears throat> now, and Steve-O believe... does a phenomenal job mm -hmm. articulating all about Ron Paul. I mean, he does a masterful column in terms of the details that he points out. He says there is something contagious about courage like that, courage that says go out and do what's right disregard the information from the world. And this is what Ron Paul did specifically when it came to abortion and honest money, among other things, Lowell. Absolutely right. I also attribute the, the, the defeat of Liz Cheney in Wyoming. Uh, Alan Stevo in his column here, he says, uh, Tuesday's defeat of Liz Cheney in Wyoming was a victory for Ron Paul Republicanism. <laughs> and so I'll add my kudos to, to that of, of Alan Stevo. I mean, kudos to the voters in Wyoming. I have family over there. I'm so, and, and I'm so glad they did what they did. Glad that Liz Cheney will not be in the U.S. House of Representatives anymore, but we'll have a Ron Paul Republican representing the good people of, of Wyoming there. 
Um, he also stood up against the coronavirus hoax, uh, Sam, and continues to speak out against it. There's so many things we could say about Ron Paul, Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Ron Paul, a true modern-day founding father-esque patriot, celebrating his 87th birthday and more. Lowell Nelson campaign for Liberty.org continues in seconds on the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. A survey of 198 members of the National Association for Business Economics conducted August 1st through the 9th were asked, how confident are you that the feds will be able to handle inflation? 73% had a negative view. 16-year-old Kylie Rodney was last seen August 6th at a party at a campground in Truckee, California. That's just north of Lake Tahoe. After going missing, partygoers refused to cooperate with police trying to find her. Last night, a body and car were found in the Prosser Creek Reservoir. The divers claim it is that of the missing girl. Adventurers with Purpose has the equipment law enforcement does not have to find the submerged car. Greg Bishop on KCRA, NBC3. You know, I know they put in thousands of hours of searching, and um, Adventures with Purpose just has a specialty. Um, They have uh, the knowledge of reading their sonar equipment. USA Radio News. For eligible individuals, 18 and older only, results vary. Audio effects do not simulate actual hearing aid experience. See website for details and important safety information. How are your hearing aids sounding now? A little tinny. Okay, two seconds. With hearing aids from Lively, everything is done remotely in the comfort of your home, from initial testing to adjustments. How are they sounding now? Fantastic. With Lively, you get premium Bluetooth-enabled hearing aids at thousands less than you might expect. Advanced hearing aid technology is now affordable and convenient. Your hearing aids are sent right to your door. And if you have any issues, we'll make adjustments seven days a week for three years. No charge. Oh, you people at Lively are wonderful. With Lively Hearing Aids, you get free shipping, three years of follow-up care included free, plus a three-year warranty with loss and damage coverage. You can't lose. I hear better than I ever thought possible. And now through Labor Day, get $300 off all rechargeable hearing aid models. Just go to listenlively.com. That's listenlively.com. L-I-S-T-E-N-L-I-V-E-L-Y.com. SpaceX's uncrewed Dragon Cargo spacecraft splashed down over the weekend north of Cape Canaveral off the Florida coast. It was the company's 25th contracted cargo resupply mission to the ISS for NASA. The level of tolerance in this country at an all-time low has a Republican lawmaker saying Attorney General Merrick Garland should be executed. New York Republican and Western New York congressional candidate Carl Palladino reportedly said in a recent interview that Attorney General Merrick Garland should be executed. Then Palladino walked it all back claiming he was just making a little jokey joke. Just your standard quip about murdering America's top law enforcement officer. Palladino, who has been endorsed by the third highest-ranking House Republican, Representative Elise Stefanik of New York, said during an interview with Breitbart last weekend that he thinks Garland probably should be executed, the Associated Press has reported. For the USA Radio News Gulf Coast Bureau, I'm Tony Maruso. USA Radio News.
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. So, Lowell, I want to just finish on Ron Paul, and I know we're taking a little bit too much time on him compared to some of the other discussions regarding the IRS we've got to get to. But, but I just really want to highlight this legacy, though, because if we really take the modern-day training, the modern-day example, the votes that he made over the years, the books that he recommended to read, the speeches that he gave, the clarity and direction for the proper role of government, for accountability and and consistency and morality uh, that he uh, delivered as not only a physician, but an incredible statesman. Uh, I think that's really the takeaway that we need to realize. That volume of work that he produced must not be lost. It must be used for modern day education. It must be used by us. And he's put together an organization, Campaign for Liberty, to really help pull all that together in a way that people can plug into it. Um, uh, Young Americans for Liberty uh, on college campuses, uh, kind of a chapter of that, if you will. All this is to really put a framework around it and bring all that information and all that dedication and consistency and forward in a way that, that's usable to the rest of us. We cannot lose sight of that law. We've got to keep that alive. You're exactly right, Sam, and that's what I've really tried to do um, by promoting the Campaign for Liberty and by talking, you know, bringing to, um, uh, bringing to Utah the political leadership school uh, year after year, um, if you haven't taken that course, uh, I, I talk about it here every summer um, on, on this program, and, and uh, I'll be bringing it again next year as well. So, uh, but you know, the mission of the Campaign for Liberty is is exactly what Ron Paul stood for, uh, you know, day in and day out, which is individual liberty, constitutional government, free markets, uh, and a uh, uh, a sound a monetary system and a non-interventionist foreign policy. Those five pillars are the pillars of Campaign for Liberty. That's what Campaign for Liberty promotes. That's what Ron Paul has promoted his whole life. Um, and he continues to promote it. I might mention that he produces the Ron Paul Liberty Report uh, Monday through Friday, five days a week. Um, and uh, he's also... Uh, involved in the RonPaulInstitute.org, which is a website where we, uh, they discuss uh, military and uh, and foreign policy and what, what what's happening in the in the news, the current events that are published there, and also philosophy that is published there. You know what we ought to be doing instead of what we are doing. And of course, the CampaignForLiberty.org is a website uh, that he continues to promote. His columns appear there week after week. Um, boy, what else does he do? I mean, he's go he's 87 years old. Well, I'll tell you one of the other things strong. he did that dovetails. I'll tell you one of the other things that he did that dovetails so well into our next articles as well that we want to talk about. He was uh, really um, one of the guys to speak out and say how bogus and unconstitutional and immoral uh, the IRS really is. It's part of the tenth plank of the one of the tenth planks of the Communist Manifesto, a progressive income tax. And he spoke out so boldly against the IRS. He even appeared on. I think it's Glenn Beck's show one time, and Glenn Beck and Ron Paul were having a discussion, and Ron's like, yeah, um, you know, uh, or I, I should say Glenn Beck's like, yeah, you know, Ron, I appreciate you running for office, and you say we ought to get rid of the IRS, but Ron, what would you replace it with? And Ron's like, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Why? And ignorant Glenn at the time, no offense to Glenn, uh, I'm just pointing out, though, this is the problem in America. He's like, well, you've got to replace it with something, or we can't even run the government, Ron. And Ron laughed at him and went, you're crazy. You know what? We don't need this revenue. This revenue is just filthy lucre. This revenue is just ill-gotten gain by the government at the expense of we the people. And uh, Glenn laughed and kind of mocked. And, but then Glenn went and did his research and came back and admitted 
You know what, Ron Paul, you're absolutely right. Once again, we go back to this incredible column by Steve-O, Ron Paul's right. And we see it time and time and time again. This dovetails into now the expanded IRS, Lowell. It sure does. And it expanded just last week, Thursday or Friday, when Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. This was uh, this this is some of our worst fears coming to pass because this bill uh, allocates 80 billion dollars to the IRS. That's 80 b billion with a b, as in Bravo. 80 billion dollars to the IRS, much of which is going to fund the, the hiring and, and payment of 87,000 new IRS agents. I think about 80,000 80, of those agents will be involved in enforcement of the IRS code. Now, they say, the government says, Biden says, we're not going to use this except on the rich tax cheats, right? Meaning the people who are rich, uh, he he calls them cheats, and we're going to get uh, their money. But in reality, folks, he is not going to be able uh, to to restrict this just to the rich. See, the rich, they've already, they're able to hire accountants and lawyers to protect their money, to uh, keep it overseas or offshore. Whatever they need to do to protect their wealth, their money, their income, they've already done. And they, they have the wealth in order to pay the attorneys, the accountants, and lawyers to, to, to continue to protect, protect their wealth. So what does that leave these 87,000 IRS agents to do? Well, they're going to come after the middle class. They, 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 they can't touch the rich, and they can't, and there's nothing to get from the poor, so all that's left for them to do is to harass the middle class. And so you can expect... And, and Ron Paul's been warning about this, uh, as just as we have here, but the IRS expansion is going to hurt the middle class. It's going to crush the middle class here in America. And uh, it, it's, um, you know, it, that's the end game uh, for the globalists, because if they can crush the middle class in this land, this country, then they can, they can make good on their reset of civilization. They can control the world if they can crush the middle class here in this land now we should before you go on though Lowell, the yeah. middle class uh-huh. too is the key to a great american society that says we don't believe in communism we don't believe in classes mm-hmm. we wanted everyone to basically be the middle class uh, and over time as prosperity happens the middle class becomes really it always remains the middle class because we're all relatively similar uh, based on how hard we work and etc cetera, etc cetera. it's the communist agenda to destroy the middle class and replace it with this this stratus class system that's the communist manifesto on steroids and that's what they're pushing for right here this irs is designed to do that very thing as they push for progressive income tax it'll flat out destroy the middle class this is all by design to push for the great reset that they're talking about as well ron's right on this again and he ends his column with this statement sam quote the premise behind the income tax is that the government is the true owner of all property and thus has the right to take as much from the people as it desires. Therefore, the income tax, like the other monstrosity created in 1913, the Federal Reserve, is incompatible with a free society, but necessary for an authoritarian welfare warfare state. To avoid 1984, repeal 1913, end of quote. And I don't mean to make this a sacrilegious statement, Mm -hmm. but I do mean this in the very sincerest uh, comparisons. (laughs) Ron Paul almost reminds me of John the Baptist. 
Uh, you know, John the Baptist was out in the wilderness speaking of these truths, and he was the lone voice who understood and spoke truth to power. Ron Paul has been the lone man in the wilderness in modern times, uh, highlighting some of these things. And so I don't mean to compare him religiously per se, but I do mean to kind of compare him as a forerunner of truth. We better listen, and we better get educated to where we compound his voice instead of it being one voice, two voices, ten voices. We need it to be thousands and millions of voices who call a halt to the communist con game, who call a halt to these um, American-destroying agendas, to literally bring us back to the path of stability and safety and protection, uh, the road that our founding fathers put us on. The, the landmarks for solutions are clear. And we've even got a man crying in the wilderness, so to speak, to return to these fundamental guideposts. Um, not only do we have an incredibly marked trail, as Dr. Scott Bradley wisely points out, but we've got people like Lowell Nelson, Ron Paul, and others literally highlighting these landmarks, giving the guidance of how to return to them. Um, that's been really the hallmark of Ron Paul, and it's something that we ought pay attention to. We must pay attention to. Uh, or else, you know what, the fix is in for the country. And I don't mean to be negative about that. I'm highlighting this contrast intentionally to say we have an opportunity. We better take advantage of it, Lowell. Well, I love the comparison between John the Baptist and Ron Paul because in so many ways um, it is it, so true. I mean, uh, Ron Paul, he he he, he often, uh, uh, I mean, he didn't, he didn't brag about his religion, his faith, or anything like that, but... You can tell from his quiet demeanor uh, and and the confidence with which he spoke just firmly. I mean, heartfelt, uh, believing in individual liberty, believing in in um, yeah, the liberty that emanates from Jesus Christ, our Savior. I mean, he he's deeply religious, and he raised he grew up that way in his family, and he raised his own family that way, deeply religious, and he respects. Uh, he respects your belief, um, and, and because that's not, you know, no one should be forced to believe uh, in any particular way. And but that he certainly has a rock solid belief in, um, in in Christianity and doing good. To and all with men that and, belief comes tremendous hope, and that's why he went to work so hard because he put his hope and his faith into action. We pray we do the same. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. The CDC just reported that 7,218 people died after receiving a COVID-19 shot. 
Granted, vaccines are a complicated concoction of chemicals, and as with any medical experiment, it can take a long time to get it right. This is not the first time people have been hurt when vaccinated. What is different this time, and so concerning, is the reaction to these death numbers. Let me explain. In 1976, the government vaccinated 45 million people for swine flu. A total of 53 people died after getting that shot, and the U.S. government immediately halted the vaccination program. Why? Because authorities decided it was too much of a risk. Why would they halt the program back then for 53 deaths, but now, with over 7,000 deaths, they are using every method possible to force it on you? In fact, now the health authorities are using their power to silence anyone who dares to question the COVID vaccination. Why? Why is anyone that questions COVID silenced? Even doctors are being censored. What's up with that? Paid for by Emmon Bundy for governor. VoteBundy.com. All right, back to you live, ladies and gentlemen. I was driving through Idaho the other day, man. And I was driving down the road, and big as could be, man, there's an Ammon Bundy sign. Ammon Bundy for governor. You got to dig it. Patriots are running around. Standing up for liberty, and that's where Ron Paul provides so much hope. He worked as if he believed that America would be successful, that it wouldn't melt down, that there would be an answer, there would be patriots that would arise. And, and so he uh, really single-handedly brought about some of the greatest organization of patriots in modern times. That's something to behold and be aware of as well, as he warned against the IRS abuses and continues to do so every single day. Uh, in his, what, late 80s now, basically, right? Yep, uh, 87 years old, uh, two days ago, Sam. What a man. All right, there you have it. Any other tidbits on these IRS columns, though? They're incredible. We really need to understand. They're they're basically raising an army against us, aren't they, Lowell? Well, they are. And, in fact, that's why I want to turn to this uh, this third column um, uh, by uh, Alexander. I'm sorry, it's about Alexander Hamilton, but it's authored by Thomas DiLorenzo, and uh, while we won't have enough time to, to, to go into it in detail, I just want to mention to people it's at lourockwell.com, uh, posted there uh, at lourockwell.com. And it's entitled Alexander Bidenton's Standing IRS Army. And uh, so you, you see from this title, he's talking about Alexander Hamilton, but he's also talking about uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> And he's bringing together the standing army concept with the IRS, the addition of 87,000 employees to the IRS, and likening that to the standing army that the British had when they were eating the sustenance out of the, the colonists, uh, you know, harassing the people. And I, I love this column because it's so thoughtful and it brings together these, these themes. Again, it's entitled Alexander Bidenton's Standing IRS Army. And uh, so immediately, you, you know that it refers to the American colonists. They fought a war over such acts of tyranny, right? Among the abuses by King George III listed by Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence were that he, quote, sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance, end of quote. And then also in the Declaration, he says, quote, he has kept among us in times of peace standing armies, end of quote. So that, that's sort of like the touchstones of this, this column. So we've got King George III sending forth swarms of officers, basically a standing army, to harass the colonists. Now we've got, we've got King Joe Biden sending forth, you know, he, he's, he's gearing up to send a standing army in peacetime 
a standing army of the IRS uh, to, to harass us, the middle class here in America. And, and, and uh, it turns out that Alexander Hamilton was, um, you know, basically he, he, he persuaded George Washington in the 1790s to put down what they called the Whiskey Rebellion, right? And it turns out that there was a tax on, on distilled spirits known as the whiskey tax. Well, the farmers, they distilled much of their grain into alcohol. This is in the 1790s, Western Pennsylvania. And they used that whiskey as a medium of exchange. Well, they, but, but Hamilton, he talked to George Washington in, into putting down that rebellion. And so George Washington talked to the governors of Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, who provided 13,000 conscripts to ride into Pennsylvania and to enforce the whiskey tax. A large army, standing army of tax collectors, in other words. Now think about that. 13,000 people in that day compared to 87,000 people in our day, right? That 13,000 was an army larger than the army that defeated the British at Yorktown. And George Washington himself led that army of tax collectors into western Pennsylvania. Uh, kind of a, a, you know, tarnished his own reputation by doing so. But he got bored of that and left left that up to Hamilton, and, he, and Hamilton, you know what he did? He tried to, to enforce the whiskey tax. He uh, rounded up 20 of the leaders of the tax rebellion. Two of them he convicted, but George Washington, to his credit, pardoned both of the men and put an end to America's first British-style imposition of a standing army of armed tax collectors. Okay, so now a lot of historians, they celebrate the whiskey tax saga uh, claiming that it proved for the first time that young American was willing to use violence to collect taxes. In other words, they're using that experience, the whiskey tax rebellion, the put down of that rebellion, to justify today's uh, violence against tax protesters. <clears throat> well, you know, we, unfortunately, you know, we, we, we don't have enough people protesting the taxes nowadays. Ron Paul, we just previously mentioned, he protested those taxes. He says, we don't need income taxes. Would we replace it with anything? No, we wouldn't. We don't need to replace it with anything. In fact, for a lot of years, Sam, as you know, the government, the general government was funded by tariffs. Not a single penny of tax on anybody's income was taken. But that all came about, you know, unfortunately, there's a, you know, you know, income tax uh, in Lincoln's day uh, and also in after 1913. Uh, when uh, we found when the, the Congress passed income tax here in in uh, in this in this country, so and but, but uh, anyway, this column is a really really great column, Sam. It talks about Alexander Hamilton. It talks about Lincoln, who um, uh, who, who who basically sent what what jailed 20,000 people and sent an army to enforce uh, the the tax of the day, the tariffs of the day. Um, and now we've got the modern day Joe Biden, uh, as he, he's going to be sending forth thousands of people to our, to our people today. My only hope, Sam, is that um, with the midterms, we can flip Congress and the new Congress will be able to nullify this uh, Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. I, I think that's what we need to do. Um, be in order to, to reverse this, this trend. We do not want a standing army of IRS, armed IRS officers 
harassing the middle class of this country. Sam? I'll, uh, I'll just say one more thing, then while Sam join, rejoins us here, he says, um, Cameron. moreover. Yes, I've been sitting there for 10 minutes. This. Oh, yeah, I just kicked it back to you, Sam. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm here, Lowell. So re really quick to, to make this point, you know, yeah. Alexander Hamilton really be, played the betrayer in America, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I know nowadays they like to pitch him as the founding father of the founding fathers, but they do that because he was the great betrayer, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is this. You mentioned that we lived off tariffs, and we had a proper rule of government that had limited funding, intentionally so, to rein in uh, the mischief uh, of bureaucrats gone run amok. And what happened was when Alexander did that uh, and tried to prosecute these people, thank heavens they got overturned by George Washington. Uh, mm -hmm. But that was the first attempt, really, um, instead of the government being the proper role and constitutional, that was kind of one of the first times that it came to, to physical action where our government became the King George, if you will. And it's done nothing but got worse since that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why I like this article so much, because it does bring today's uh, uh, act, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, into the proper perspective. It's just one, it's another attempt to build a standing army. Well, we pushed back against King George um, in the 1700s. We pushed back against the, um, the tariff of abominations in the 1860s. And, and, and now we have another standing army being stood up and right now, this, this year. And, and we sadly, armed to the teeth that. as well, Lowell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the 80,000 of those 87,000 IRS agents will be armed. And uh, I, I, we, you probably talked about this already, but one of the uh, the posting, the job posting, in order to entice people to join the IRS, to be employed by the IRS, initially said be willing to use violent um, uh, force against you know, tax protesters, essentially. And, and then they, 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 people cried out about that, and they took that part down. But, but you can bet if they're going to be armed, then they are going to be willing to use force on the American people, Sam. And ladies and gentlemen, you would say, well, you can't really call that an army, folks. They work for a legitimate government organization. Wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Where on earth in the supreme law of our land does it say that you can have IRS agents collecting taxes? It nowhere says that. In fact, it articulates that we ought to have apportionment taxes and, and indirect taxes as opposed to direct taxation backed by an army. Um, you know, you can say they're peddling it soft now, but trust you me, when they get the, those 87,000 agents in place, once they use the millions of extra dollars that they've got to add to that uh, software upgrades and things like that, this will be a refined army backed by big tech is what it'll end up being. You've got armed agents backed by big tech coming to you. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, our founding fathers didn't even have that kind of abuse in the Whiskey Rebellion time. Nevertheless, uh, it took a, a, an honest George Washington to pardon them. We won't be so lucky, I'm afraid, at least under a Joe Biden administration, that's for sure, or um, Obama or the likes of any modern-day politician. Even Republicans uh, wouldn't qualify uh, to protect us against such abuses. Lowell? 
another implication of the spam is, is the, it's what they call a, a kill shot, meaning you can kill, you know, two birds with one stone. Because the federal tax evasion, that's a felony. And felons cannot legally own firearms, nor can they vote. And so if they, if they can, if this uh, IRS army can convict you of federal tax evasion, then you don't get a firearm, you can't vote, it basically silences you. And, uh, and so what are they going to do? Basically, they're going to go after, you know, you know, a small number of deplorables, convict them, throw them in jail, throw away the key, and then uh, that'll be the lesson that the rest of us have to look at, and, and it'll dissuade thousands and thousands of people from doing the right thing, which is to oppose this kind of tyranny. Sam? We've got one more topic to quickly get to before, before the end of the hour, Lowell. It is that the, there's a Utah district court judge who... Uh, who granted a preliminary injunction, injunction sought by the families of three transgender girls, allowing them to seek permission to play girls' sports this year. So he got boys wanting to play on girls' sports teams, and there was a bill, HB 11, that was passed this year that prohibited that. Now we have a district court judge saying that bill, that portion of the bill is unconstitutional. We need to allow for these boys to play on the girls' sports teams because you know what, they, they're really not as, they're not as big as the girls. They, they, they can compete. It'll be a fair and level playing field and, 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 and tripe like that. But, you know, what about the interest of the girls who want to compete for a spot on the team, Sam? What, what is the judge? The judge isn't thinking about them. You know, the judge said this. He said the threatened injury to the transgender girls and their families from the ban outweighs any damage that an injunction would cause to the state and school districts. The injunction does not contradict public interest, end of quote. Well, I say it does. I say the injunction does contradict public interest. What about all the girls that want to play sports and uh, or will not be able to because these transgenders, these boys, um, you know, take their spots? Uh, on the team. That's simply unfair. Bottom line, low. we the people need to rise up against this. This judge needs to be impeached yesterday. Activism from the bench, out of control, belligerent. We need to impeach that judge and say no more of these abuses from the courts. We better do it, low, while we have a chance, or else you can imagine what mischief will result down the road. Thank you, low. You're welcome, Sam. There he goes, campaignforliberty.org, doing a phenomenal job for Lowell Nelson, Dr. Scott Bradley, and Sam Bushman. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.